The DeFalco Files is an entertainment-based program. Some memories of certain events might be fuzzy. All opinions are that of the host. Content might not be appropriate for children and some adults. Listener discretion is advised. And remember, the truth is here. Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting presents The DeFalco Files with FSW owner Joe DeFalco and your host, Matt Michaels. Hey everybody, it's Matt Michaels here on The DeFalco Files with the creator of FSW, the future stars of wrestling here in Las Vegas, Mr. Joe DeFalco. Joe, welcome back to Vegas. How you doing? Oh, you know, hanging in, didn't do a lot while I was out there. We got a show in a couple of days. Now it's scrambling for everything. Scramble mode and, again. <laughs> um, speaking of the show, it's going to be a, a high-octane show at the FSW Arena at 7 p.m. on uh, Friday the um, 14th at uh, 7 p.m. again. Uh, you can catch it on the FSW network uh, for $6.99 a month. You can get the network, see shows like High Octane, Future Shock, and um, you can go back and watch the history of FSW and see uh, new shows and exclusive shows only on the network. With High Octane this week, uh, do you have any matches actually scheduled yet, or are we still looking at just particular guys going to be on the card? No, we just made a couple of posts up there. Uh, Brandon Gatson's going to wrestle Wise Guy, which I think should be an extremely uh, outstanding match. Two super underrated talents that, you know, Gatson had a good run here in Vegas for a long time, but he's recently, over the last years, wrestled a few more times, and we'd like to have him a lot more. Wise Guy, same thing. You know, these two guys are excellent. You know, you're going to get. Yeah. You know, a great match. Uh, after what happened with the Rookie of the Year thing, Brett the Threat is going to wrestle the young prodigy, Bodie. So uh, uh, that uh, should be extremely interesting. You know, Brett has a, a bad attitude as it is, and he's pretty pissed off and feels that he, that Bodie is the reason why he is not officially the Rookie of the Year. And then I just uh, got off uh, Messenger and set up uh, FSW heavyweight champion Hammerstone. Uh, we'll defend against, uh, the man who runs best of the West, who's going to be at our arena on Saturday, Mike rain. So wow. last time we saw Mike rain, he had a tremendous match with Jordan Cruz. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that sounds pretty exciting. Also, I believe, uh, FSW's, uh, Nevada state champion, Remy Marcel will be on the show as well. Is that true? Yeah. Remy Marcel will be there. So that should mean Gregory Sharp isn't, uh, far behind lurking in the alley somewhere. Uh, the new number one contenders, TBD. What does it stand for? I've heard about 10 different options. You know what I mean? I thought it meant to be determined, but I heard there was other things, you know, two big dudes, the big guys, whatever it was, uh, you know, the big two big dudes. I don't know. I heard like 10 different variations of what TBD stands for. Uh, they'll be in action. Uh, as well as uh, Nick Xander, uh, Steven Tresario's back. So, you know, 
and we're still working on a, you know, a couple other matches, you know, to fill out the card. But, you know, it should be another tremendous night after, you know, coming off the Mecca a couple weeks ago. And with uh, with this high octane, um, is that going to be the next uh, the next big event coming after this high octane? Or will there be another high octane uh, before your next big show? Say that again. So with this high octane, is this the going to be the high octane before your next big show or will there be another one before before the next big show that you run uh meaning you know uh like a casino show something nah nah we're probably gonna have to do another one we after the mecca and after you know what happened at the big event before that uh we need to set up storylines for people to really want to come out you know if we're going to expect another four, five, six hundred people, you know, they need to be engaged in some stuff. And, you know, we're hoping that in April, uh, obviously not the first week of April, because that's WrestleMania. But, you know, we already know we have um, May 27th and 28th kind of locked up because AEW is going to be here. Right. So we know May 27th will be a big show. So hopefully in maybe the second or third week of April, we can also, you know, we didn't do an Against All Odds as its own show before. We have Survival of the Fittest. You know, we, we have those marquee shows. The anniversary show, you know, the, we're juggling the idea. You know, the anniversary uh, we always did in late May, early June, right around that time period. Well, May 27th is really the official anniversary of FSW because the very first show we did was on Memorial Day weekend. Now, do we do the anniversary show on AEW weekend? Or, as I was kind of hoping we did, was Mecca 8 Yeah, that weekend because, you know, the potential for uh, Cody Rhodes versus Killer Cross has just occurred. You know what I mean? So who knows? Well, you know that's a that's a great uh, uh, lead-in to the uh, news of Cody potentially being a free agent uh, still at that point, where he could do, you know, uh, independent shows as opposed to being under contract to uh, that company uh, <laughs> up in Stanford. Um, you know, I, I guess he... wrestling is wrestling. Like, how many times? Was Cody motherfucking WWE because of the stuff with his dad and the name, and they wouldn't give him the roads. And now, like the hot rumors, he's going back to WWE. <laughs> like, wow, there sure seemed to be a lot of hatred going on. And it was like, you know, he'd be that guy on that list that you'd be like, yeah, he ain't going back. It's kind of like what I would say about CM Punk. But you know yeah. what? Time heals all wounds, I guess. Yeah, and there's interesting, you know, uh, the history between the Rhodes family and the McMahon family, but also the idea that Dusty was kind of the um, the father of NXT. Um, that might also be an opportunity where Cody can uh, kind of run NXT. Um, when you look at a guy like that who is uh, an established big name, uh, been been in the business for well over a decade now. 
the possibility of bringing someone like Cody Rhodes in, and and this is a hypothetical, of course. Do you look at that, and and you mentioned Cross, but do you look at someone like that um, for, say, the FSW Heavyweight Championship um, because he's a marquee name, sort of like you did with Matt Hardy? Do you bring someone like that in to generate the interest and kind of uh, get a little more of a buzz and a following? And is it maybe, uh, you know, like you did with Hardy, putting on a title on a guy like that, does that give you even more credibility to the title? I mean, don't get me wrong. Hammerstone is the MLW champion right now, too. So, I mean, there's major credibility with him. But how do you look at that today as compared when you did it with Matt Hardy? Well, when we did it with Matt Hardy, we were way more localized. You know, our last champion before that was Alcatraz and Tyshawn Prince. And sure, Alcatraz was a guy that was very, very well known. He's probably he's probably a Hall of Famer in, in, in California, too. You yeah. know, and we got him toward the tail end of his career and he had a great run with us and Tyshawn Prince. Uh, was the guy, the monster before that. You know, we had Eli Drake kind of sprinkled in a little bit, but those were the two main guys. So putting the belt on Matt Hardy was kind of crazy. It was like, you know, I remember I was at the place where I used to have uh, Thai food all the time, the King and I, where I actually had my wedding reception food catered from. Because we loved the place. So Matt had a flight probably later in the day. And this was after he wrestled in Mesquite. uh, When he wrestled Bryce Harrison for the No Limits title. Uh, I initially wasn't really thinking. So I'm like, okay, Bryce Harrison by pinfall. You know, the guy who's coming in. Then all of a sudden, fucking match ended in a DQ. I'm like, what the fuck? motherfucker didn't want to take the pin Matt Hardy obviously you know and what am I gonna do yell at Matt Hardy you know (laughs) what the fuck you you want to but you can't and then you know immediately Bryce was like yeah you know I decided you know we didn't need to have him lose blah, blah 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 and I'm like okay yeah that's fine so the next day we went out to lunch And then we kind of talked about other things. And all of a sudden he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'd love to work for you. I could do it at this price and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, this sounds like a pretty good idea. And then it was like, hey, let's put the belt on him. Because, you know, he said he's willing to work a few dates. And, you know, he probably, you know, he defended against Lance Hoyt. He defended against Brian Cage before he lost to Brian Cage. You know, he won the title. So we had Matt Hardy for, for a good run. And I remember, you know, I, I, I was telling the story last week or be, week before. You know, we have Alcatraz versus Matt Hardy for the FSW Heavyweight Championship. And the crowd's excited. But nobody believes Matt Hardy's going to win the fucking title. You know, he's that out-of-town guy. Okay, Joe got him one more time. Cool, we get to see Matt Hardy again. And I just remember, you know, he hits him with the twist of fate. And the crowd's like, one, two. 
And they like hesitated as the three hit because they expected something to happen. And they kind of like stood in shock for like a split second. And then all of a sudden, oh, and everybody was standing on their feet. And it was like the winner and new FSW heavyweight champion. And Matt took the belt and he ran out in front of Sam's town to where the merch area was taking pictures with the fans. He cut a promo for his video thing. It was like, if you didn't know anything, you would swear this was WrestleMania and the Hardys just beat Edge and Christian and the Dudley boys. That's how Matt Hardy treated winning the FSW title. So he could have just won the title and it would have been like, oh, Matt Hardy's their champ. But he made it to where FSW was a big deal, and it was a big deal for him to win the FSW Heavyweight Championship. And despite him not returning calls of recent, you know, I'll still be forever grateful for everything that he did by giving us a wider audience and basically being the pedestal and the stepping stone. You know, I've seen some of our guys you know, Remy ran into him. A couple guys ran into him with other shows and AEW Dark. And, hey, how's Joe doing? Like, he always brings me up, supposedly, to everybody. He puts us over. And and as I said, I love Matt Hardy. You know, he's that number one guy. You know, I love Drew McIntyre. But I only worked with him once, and he was fantastic the one time. But I worked yeah. with Matt five, six, seven times, you know, when we brought him back. And he was leaving to go to WrestleMania two weeks later after that one Mecca. And he became the tag champs, you know. And it was like, you know, this guy has gone above and beyond. Because a lot of people come in, do their thing, get paid, see you later. You know, as I always said, John Morrison's another guy. Hey, John, motherfucker would answer the phone. Most people let it go to voicemail. They'll text you whenever. If you couldn't answer the phone, you text me back within a few minutes. Hey, bro, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, hey, we got the match. You're going to be wrestling Shane Strickland in the first round. If you can do a promo. Okay, boom. Next day, I got the promo. You know, and guys like that are the guys you want around. And it's like you're hoping that the younger crew are, you know, not only appreciative, but see it as a way to, to better themselves. Because this business is all about connections and having any connection possible, you know, is great. You know, we have connection in WWE with Davari. We had one with Allison Danger. You know, we have impact with D'Lo Brown. You know, Kenny's got a little bit of juice when Ring of Honor was doing stuff. You know, at AEW, when we were trying to get some guys to dark matches, I did met Matt Hardy, but he had to do with it you know he told me to hit up cutie marshall and a few of our guys talked with him and you know nothing kind of you know became of it but now all of a sudden you know somebody else must be there and you know maserati and jordan cruz and you know toa and you know matt vandegrift i saw just got you know there i don't even know if it aired yet so i don't want to speak out of turn but uh you know it's a great opportunity and they're going to cycle through all these people and it's fine. You know, you fly yourself in whatever, how you have to do to get that look. And the thing is sure. They can use some people that are the shits and believe me, they have, but 
all of a sudden they use a guy like Toa and it's like, oh shit, this guy's fucking good. You know? Yeah. We could call him Loman Reigns and we got a winner. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that was the name I wanted oh. to give Hero Lou. I said, You're Loman Reigns, brother. He didn't he didn't <laughs> dig it though. Another one I'll keep oh. in my pocket. If Jacob Fatu oh. wants to change his name to Loman Reigns, we might have a new champ. Oh man. Uh you know when you when you look at those relationships, um, you know obviously on your end as a promoter, it's very important. What would you say to the younger guys in terms of how to approach those relationships? What is the best advice in terms of going about either if you're in the locker room or? Um, even if you have an actual match with someone of that type of stature of a, you know, established person on TV, what's the best advice to get a younger talent to understand how they should um, approach, uh, behave, etc. when they are given these opportunities and are trying to network um, because, like you said, connections are the biggest thing in the business. Well, you got to understand the guys who are getting that opportunity aren't just randomly picked. You know what I mean? It's like when I needed a guy for Austin Aries, I didn't just handpick somebody who, you know, is decent and we use once in a while. No, I put Bryce Harrison in there with him. And then we did a little something with Funny Bone uh, because we did a battle royal, I believe, for something later on. And Funny Bone and Aries kind of interacted. And these are guys that have a, a lot of experience. You know, I'm not bringing in Davey Richards to wrestle, uh, let's say. Brandon Z. Brandon G, Brandon Ricky, G. Ricky Gomez, or Danny from the Suavecitos. They haven't earned that opportunity yet. So Davey Richards gets yeah. a match with Jacob Boston Young, who Jacob Boston Young, who's had really good matches with numerous people, and he's been an integral part of the company and a great asset to the company for six, seven, eight years. He gets right. that match. Then we go into a four-way elimination. And Jay Vidal, he's on the rise, so we're going to get him involved in the match. Uh, Cody got added later, but he's another guy who's been around forever. You know, he got Nick Gage, who we really wanted at GCW, and right. he gets that guy. And, you know, I try to make the guys who are deserving get that opportunity. You know, you want Shogun to step up, you give him Kenny King. You want the unguided to step up. You have him in a tag team against Kenny King, you know, because he's our guy here. T.J. Perkins, who's local. Willie Mack, give him Remy Marcel because Remy, you know, needs those matches. And, you know, if you don't know and you want to see who is the upper echelon of homegrown FSW talent, all you got to do is look at the matches that we've put together. When T.J.P. works Vandegrift, 
it's obvious we're extremely high on Matt Vandegrift. You, you know what I mean? And yeah. in some cases, it ain't necessarily so because we might be involved in a blood feud. Jay Vidal might be wrestling Gregory Sharp on a show. So even if the opportunity was there for, say, Davey Richards and Jay Vidal, it wouldn't have happened at that show because we right. were we were progressing a storyline. At that point, uh, Damian Drake wasn't around and Matt Vandegrift needed a match. And, and he wanted TJP. And, you know, I made it happen. And, and you go down the list of matches. Paul London, you know, he got Bryce Harrison twice. You know, he yeah. got Gregory Sharp when he was on the rise. And, you know, obviously when Chris Bay's on the rise, he got Killer Cross, you know, as well as, you know, the numerous guys. Cross got Chris Masters. He got Timothy Thatcher. He got Kenny King, you know. And you're always trying to make sure Hammerstone, he got Sammy Callahan and he got Moose and he's gotten, you know, the best of the best and Brian Cage twice. And it was supposed to be, you know, Davey Richards, but instead it was TJP, you know, you can have, you can argue all day on who you like better, but they're both fantastic. So either way, it's great stuff. And you know, those are the guys that are going to get them. You know, when the 1% was hot and we were doing stuff, we brought in rascals for them. You know, when the Reno scum was hot, you know, they got Ricochet and Rich Swan. The whirlwind gentlemen got Rocky Romero and Jushin Liger. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, these younger guys, I appreciate that they all want stuff and they think they're deserving of it, but they're not. When they're deserving of it in yeah. my company, they will get it. You know, we always sure. try to make sure they get good matches. And a good match for somebody doesn't necessarily have to be that guy. That it can it, Working Adrian Quest is a valuable asset for yourself. I don't care who you are. So when the Suavecitos get to be with Adrian Quest and be able to listen to him and talk, with him and watch him when they're putting together a six-man tag or whatever you know these motherfuckers better listen and learn you know what i mean you know you don't get out of line as a 22 23 year old kid who's been around a year and a half when adrian quest is talking you know and it goes the same thing a guy like gatson you know the guys that we have brought in you know that have been around that west coast you know graves you know, class is a young guy who's under the tutelage of Hammerstone and Graves and Gallo. So, you know, he's learned how to have proper respect, you know. But I've also learned, you know, an asshole's an asshole. So no matter what you try to tell somebody, it'll go one ear and out the other and they don't give a buck. You know, when Legacy yeah. was running out here, you know, I had people on my side like, why would you help him? And I'm like, because I he's a good guy. I like him. When we needed a ring and didn't have one when we first ran shows, he didn't even charge me. All he asked was to get some of his younger guys on, which, you know, later became Sugar Brown and Mike Delight and guys that have, you know, who've continued wrestling to this day. And yeah. there'd be guys on his side. Oh, why are you helping Joe? Fuck this motherfucker. Blah, 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 blah. And it's like, you know, and this is when the wrestling business hasn't even really done anything in Vegas. It hadn't done anything for years. 
and Legacy had a school, and I didn't give a shit about a school, and I just wanted to run shows. And then it was kind of like, well, hey, everybody wants to go to the wrestling school, so why not start one? We had Mike Modest available. And you take advantage of the situations. And, you know, I've always said the the school's always been, you know, up and down that thankfully for the shows we do out of there, that's the only way, you know, it turns a profit because the school, there's too many ins and outs and with the, the upfront cost, you know, I'm a show guy, you know, I would have so much less grief in my life if I just ran one big show every six, eight weeks, like we used to do, bring in who I want, not have to try to cater to the younger guys who who might be ready, but, you know, they think they're ready, but nobody in the world will book them except Joe. Right. And we're FSW, motherfuckers. You know, people around the country look at FSW as this big deal. You know, not as many as I'd like, but there's a good enough amount of people that think, wow, yeah, you know, FSW, because we have run through the gamut of stars. You know, Eli Drake and Brian Cage in the Reno Scum, and all those guys never trained with us, but they were known pretty much as FSW guys for a long time. And then all of a sudden we had the Bays and, and the Crosses, and then Lacey Ryan and Sefa and, you know, all these guys that are that have gone through the circuit who you see these guys booked every weekend, you know, it's hard, you know, I'm like, Hey, I'm trying to get juicy, you know, and again, they've been around a little bit, but Toa, I never realized until he told me that FSW was the first place he ever wrestled in front of fans because he came around during the pandemic. So, you know, he hasn't been training that long because the pandemic was March of 2020. We aren't even in March of 2022. So it's not even been two, Years. So he did some shows at Rikishi School, you know, empty arena stuff. And, you know, I think he worked in, in town at Versus, but they didn't have fans then either. And then, you know, right. we kind of put him in. He came and saw us at an empty arena show with GCW. He came down with Juicy, introduced me, and he introduced himself to me, came right up. Hey, Joe, I'm, I'm you know, Told me his name. I'm like, really? That's your first name, Toa? Okay. And he was like, you know, Sefa, you know, told me to hit you up. You know, FSW is the place to be. And that's the great thing. Guys like Bay and guys like like, like Sefa and Cross, when they'd go elsewhere, they'd be like, man, you need to get in FSW. You know, that's place. Even a Jacob fought too. Like, yeah, I always wanted to work there, you know. Yeah. You know, even gave us the, the uh, discount. You know what I'm saying? But, uh, you know, obviously we're doing something right. You know, and then you got people on the other other side of the docket that seem to be getting stuff elsewhere. So it's Joe's an asshole. Joe don't like me. You know, whatever it is. Or, or the requests of people that want to get booked. You know, I might have a guy hit me up for six months that wants to get booked. But... I don't use him and a guy like Hammerstone and Graves and Dom hit me up and say, Hey, new talent initiative. There's a guy we got named class, you know, and when those guys put him over as somebody that if you're looking for some talent, 
you know, make sure you check this guy out. And we did. And in more cases than not, they're always correct. I, you know, I go back to the Santino thing from Tito into Che into Doug into Eli Everfly, you know, all those guys, Che Cabrera, all these guys that they we rotated in as regulars because these guys recommended them, you know. Shit, Reno Scum were like, hey, we got a guy, Carl Fredericks. And then look at Carl now. You know, he was a guy that I wanted to be our champion. But, yeah. you know, New Japan scooped him up. Guess I shouldn't have never had a Jushin Liger seminar. Uh, and they wouldn't have known who Carl Fredericks was. But, you know, what it is. Because I got a keen eye for talent. And I think the track record proves it. And are there guys that maybe I missed the boat on that maybe their style isn't what I see as a champion upper echelon guy, or they feel that they're more deserving. And I try not to take it personally. Unfortunately, some do. And, you know, I don't like them. Or I used to like them, but now I can't stand them anymore. You know, how about it was you didn't train anymore and you got sloppy and you got out of shape and there wasn't a spot for you at that time because you didn't put in the hard work that you did. Because there's a one group of, of trainees that get to a level that they progress pretty quickly, they get on shows, and then they never improve. Yeah. Then you get the special guy. You got the crosses and the bays and the hammer stones that they were never content with what they got. Whether they were champions here, champions in Arizona, champions in California, that wasn't good enough. They wanted to be the biggest stars in the world. But guess what? They put in the work. And Cross got the WWE contract. Hammerstone's the MLW champion. Bay is, is on impact all the time. Seth is on NXT. Lacey, you know... She's one of the best people on the West, best women wrestlers. She's one of the best wrestlers. You know, I, yeah. I, I always stop myself on it because, yeah, she's probably the best women wrestler I've I've ever worked with, you know. And But she's also one of the best wrestlers I've ever worked with. You yeah. know what I mean? It was like when she wrestled Jordan Grace at Impact and she wrestled Tessa Blanchard at the Mecca, nobody looked at her and like, Oh, yeah, you know, they're using the hometown girl and she's got to look good. And in most cases, even then, I didn't put Lacey over who was our women's champion. You know, not that I think Tessa would have put her over because I think she was the uh, Impact World Champion at the time. (laughs) But the thing is, it's like, first you got to earn the match and then you got to earn the victory, you know. And that's what happened with Bryce Harrison and Paul London. He earned the match the first time. But he earned himself the victory the second time because of what he had done in that match and afterwards with everybody else. And that's why I was going to have him actually beat Matt Hardy because he was, you know, he had it all. You know, great wrestler, you know, tremendous gimmick, you know, awesome on the microphone, you know, bulked up a little bit, but he was never he was never a big guy in any way but he still put on as much muscle, you know, as he could and made himself the best that he could be, you know, shame that he decided, you know, to hang it up. Yeah. One of our all time greats. 
Um, and and fans, uh, if you're not familiar with Bryce's work, uh, you know, check out uh, FSW Network. Also, just look on the internet um, because there's stuff out there. And um, you know, bringing up a guy like him, are there other guys that you feel uh, kind of went that way? Um, would a guy like Tyshawn Prince be the same uh, type where you know he had? enough factors to make him the champion, but he never, you know, went to that next level of where he could have gone. Um, is that, is that something that you see a number of guys in the FSW history have had those uh, kind of opportunities you've given them, they've rose to the top, but they never went farther or their careers ended, uh, you know, shorter because of injury or because of, uh, you know, other circumstances? Well, yeah, a guy like Tyshawn, even before he was our champion, he had people eyeing him in the WWE, but he had a great job. He had his family here, you know, divorced from the wife, so he had the kids, and he didn't want to uproot. So he was happy being the FSW heavyweight champion and occasionally going on the road to Arizona or California. Like we used him at the IWF show. Shelton Benjamin was a big fan of him. You know, it's funny if you want to go see an early squash match, uh, Hammerstone was one of three guys who had a job out to Tyshawn. And I remember Hammerstone was not very happy about it. <laughs> and uh, this was back in the IWF days. And Hammerstone was a guy I liked a lot. Uh, the guy Tyson Tyler, who was involved there, you know, they they had a very hot and cold relationship. And right. Hammerstone was nowhere near ready to be a major player yet on those shows. Like we would bring him in on our shows and we would give him that slow build. And he probably was teaming with Graves at the time. And, you know, I kind of wanted him on the show because he had a great look. You know, but it was a showcase for Tyshawn Prince. That's what Shelton Benjamin wanted. And I guess one of Shelton's guys came out with them from Texas and they were put in there and that was their job. And it was like, I remember having a conversation because we had to do the ring setup. And I remember specifically those guys uh, didn't help with the ring. And when they came into Vegas the next time, I sat down Hammerstone and Graves. And his response to me was, you know, to be honest with you, I think, you know, I'm better than that spot. And I'm like, the truth of the matter is you are better than that spot. But that's the spot I needed you to be on to get noticed to maybe utilize you down the line. You know, we needed you to go in there and looking like you do, I Sean Prince, you know, look like the stuff that he is. We can rebuild you at any time. You know, this is what I needed from you. And, you know, seemed to come to a mutual understanding of everything. And, you know, we see where Hammerstone is now. And, you know, hopefully I had a uh, humongous part in his success, you know. Well, and, and let me ask you, let me stop you really quick, because I think this is a very fascinating idea of, you know, having to do a job. And what you were just saying about where Hammerstone's going to, can guys take that 
motivation of I'm better than that. I know I'm better than that. Now I have to, you know, get in the gym more, uh, you know, watch my eating, do everything I possibly can so that I can prove that I'm that guy. Whereas some guys will hear that it will go in one ear, out the other ear, and they're just content with bitching and complaining and, you know, moaning to their friends or to, to other wrestlers. Is that something that guys should look at that and go, you know what, Joe or whatever booker or promoter showing me the confidence they have in me, learning to understand the situation that's needed and to be a worker um, and, and to do the job. And then what can I do to separate myself from being that level and show that I can rise as a guy like Hammerstone did? Is that is that is Hammerstone kind of a blueprint for a wrestler to understand what needs to be done to get to that top spot on the independent scene and nationally recognized in a bigger company? Well, if you look at everybody who's done what they've done, work ethic is by far the number one thing. Like I've said, I've seen guys 6'4", 250, and when they first walk in the door, and I'm like, oh, man, I got my next heavyweight champ. And whether they're lazy, they don't want to put in the effort, and that's what most cases are. You know, people want stuff, and they like the idea of it, Sometimes you just can't put in the work, you know, and, and again, there's a lot of factors that are involved. It could be family. It could be your work schedule. It could be a lot of things. You know, if you're not willing to dedicate your life to be this, why are you just going to be that? Because you said so, you know, when I talk about Chris Bay, you know, he came in here, you know, he came to Vegas with three months dues and that was it. And as I said, he quit jobs. He didn't take jobs, whatever it was, because if it conflicted with him being a professional wrestler and his goal to be that, he had no need for it. He had no need for that $10, $12, $15 an hour job if it conflict with anything. He would rather have been broke if it cost him the opportunity to wrestle. Yeah. And again, I was joking with him about it at the Mecca. And I say to everybody, I would never tell you to do what Chris Bay did, which is throw all his eggs in the one basket because the odds are not there. You know, people, and when they sign up, I'm not going to fucking lie. Oh, you know, when am I going to get my first match? Oh, you know, I'm like, dude, this shit ain't easy. It might be six months before you smell, you know, a security spot. You know, it all depends. Guy like Chris Bay. He got on in three, four months, got his ass beat by Funny Bone. But because of his size, he had to do 10 times the work Killer Cross did because Kevin looked apart already. So we found the spot for him. We brought him in as my personal assistant slash bodyguard. So it was easy for him because he didn't need to sell at 150 pounds. He was 250 pounds. Who's he selling for? So he's going to come in and we're going to have him throw throw people around and make him look like this dominant monster like we did with like a Tyshawn Prince. 
because obviously it's easier when you're a big, massive dude. Then throw in a guy who has, you know, great mic skills, knows exactly what his persona is, and has a shoot background. So he can technically work, you know, not wrestle wise, and he's pretty good, but that will all catch up to itself. You know, when you're an A plus, A plus, and a B minus, you know, you could still be the champ. And fortunately, yeah. that B minus became B and it became a B plus. And, you know, and he is uh, a solid, solid worker. Well, well, Chris Bay had to rely more on being the the flashy, great worker. And, you know, it took him a while for that personality to come out. Compared yeah. to when he, you know, was early on, he wasn't getting over and getting matches because he was this bright light personality with great mic skills. He was this new flashy kid who can do some cool shit that people liked. And then the rest had to evolve. And no matter how you do it, you need to get all aspects there. You got to be able to cut a promo. You know, not everybody's like Joe DeFalco, who if you can't cut a promo, will try to maybe see if he can get a manager for you that can help you. You know, Tyshawn Prince was a monster because Sally did all the talking for him. Tyshawn right. spoke very infrequently. And when he did, we try to make it as dangerous as possible. You know, not everybody was Kevin Cross who could cut that promo on his own. You know, Nick Bockwinkle was one of the best talkers in the world. And he still had Bobby Heenan as his manager. So that just took their a plus level to the a plus plus level because nick was the articulate guy who spoke above you and bobby the brain spoke to the weasels in the audience and it was a phenomenal dynamic and the same thing when heenan managed a guy like hercules hernandez hey he wasn't a talker he was this big massive dude and when you had the heenan family you had all these guys who could become heavyweight champions because of Bobby Heenan. Nowadays, those guys don't exist because they can't hold down the promos. You know, that's why you always see Seth Rollins kind of rising to the top and Kevin Owens rising to the top. And the fact of the matter is they can talk. Brock Lesnar can talk, but he can't talk like Paul Heyman. So let's stick Paul Heyman with there. Roman Reigns can talk, but having Paul Heyman as as your guy, you know, puts you at a totally different level. You know, I remember when there was talk of different things and maybe Big E, I'll tell you what, maybe if Big E was there with Paul Heyman, maybe Big E wouldn't be losing in tag matches against uh, Los Lotharios. Yeah. I never knew they even had a win. (laughs) And and they're going to get a push, apparently, too. So Los Lotharios is... uh... Yeah, they're going to, they're going to, I heard they're going to create a new belt, the uh, Caribbean tag team titles. The Colognes are going to come back for the 14th time. <laughs> uh, and, you know, you're, you're talking about, uh, you know, the journey of young talent along those lines. Um, I, I know that uh, a future shock will be coming up here at the beginning of March. Um, what are you looking for when you put together this upcoming future shock? Uh, is there anyone that's standing out to you that 
is younger that maybe hasn't gotten an opportunity yet for a show uh, that we might, you know, start to get seeing some of these guys um, or guys who have gotten just a little taste, uh, you know, and now with a future shock might get a little bigger, um, you know, opportunity to, to show that they're, uh, they're growing. Not really. You know, if this is more of an opportunity for Nick Xander, Brett, the threat, Bodie, the Suavecitos to kind of really grow because, you know, that's the show that they will always be on, you know, it's sporadic, it's placement when it comes to high octane. And, you know, we had a couple of guys that got a couple of opportunities and, you know, we just gave an opportunity to uh, Dane, but he moved back to Tennessee training with Kane and Bruce Pritchard. Uh, the guy French, big dude, you know, trained first with B-Boy at Level Up. We just got him into the mix of doing some stuff, but because of outside issues, had to move back to California, you know, and a uh, guy with a great personality. You know, he was getting very, very close. Reese. You know, he got a couple opportunities to work with Sin Bodhi. Uh, he's kind of not been around. So I'm not giving opportunities because a guy might be ready to wrestle if he hasn't been around for a couple months. So that's going to be the time where that younger talent gets in there. You know, I needed a guy for Friday. So I hit up Jordan Cruz, but he was unavailable. And but I gave him the March 5th date and he's going to be there. Well, that's a good opportunity you know, for a Brett the Threat or a Nick Xander or even a Bodie, you know, to wrestle Jordan Cruz. You yeah. know, he's considered an upper echelon guy on the West Coast. You know, he's held titles in Hollywood and, and things like that. So, you know, we also like to use that as markers and stepping stones for that younger talent because we're always looking. But the thing is, there's also guys that have been recommended or have hit me up that I'm like, you know what? This motherfucker's persistent, man. It's like, he wants to get out here. There was the one guy he worked, uh, Ishmael Vaughn. Not even sure if that's his worker name, but he came in, we needed a guy and I used him and he was, and he was pretty good, you know? And it's like, if you get that opportunity, you got to take advantage of it. And it's not easy to get that opportunity. So now I'm going to scour around. And after the show Friday, because I still want to finalize everything and what Remy's doing and TBD and and things like that. But I want to make sure that these newer guys who are kind of in the area, you know, how many guys I got, man, they're like, well, we'll fly in from Texas. We'll fly in from Utah. We just want an opportunity. Well, you know, really want to work for FSW. And it's like, I'm sorry, but it's it's really a difficult process. You know, we have too many guys. You know, I'm going through the card, and it's like, motherfucker. It's like Jay Vidal and Damian Drake and Matt Vandegrift, they're all unavailable at the next show on Friday. And Jacob Austin Young won't be there. But it's like, you want to get your main guys on there. But it's like, it's hard. It's yeah. like, you know, we haven't seen the faction in a while. You know, yeah. we haven't seen Graves in a little bit. You know, class I just found out was injured. You know, we were looking at bringing him back and hit him up. And, you know, whether he's announced it or not, I don't know. But he's going to be out for six months. So, 
You know, that, that that's a top-level heel. You know, that's a guy who can move on, uh, former Nevada State champion. You know, he was a guy in the mix, you know, to maybe mix it up a little with uh, one of his uh, training partners, Hammerstone. You know what I mean? And it's like, now you, you, you got to scramble in that manner. Because when you do the Mecca and you see the upper echelon of the wrestling business, man, it makes it, it makes it difficult to just try to focus on the younger guys, you know, and I'm being honest, you know, it's like, I, I need to focus more on a future shock to make sure these guys get that opportunity. But a lot of them are going to be pissed off that they're not on high octane because right. they've already worked high octanes and they've already worked at the casino show. But it's like, you know, why wouldn't I want to use Danny Limelight and Slice Boogie in Las Vegas, if they're willing to come in and it stays in our budget, they're one of the best tag teams on the West coast. You know, I talked with RMB. They came to the show. We haven't used them since they lost a two out of three falls match. And it's like, where do you go? What do you do? Because guys who've been with you for so long, there's only so many things you can do. So it's like, okay, what can we do? That will be exciting to not only the fans, most importantly, but to the guys doing it. You know, if you've been there and done that over and over, nobody wants to do it over again. You know what I mean? And it's like finding places to where guys can be in the mix and we lose enough guys, but, you know, as great as the young talent is, they're young talent. There's only so many guys up here. Okay. And when you got a guy like Hammerstone at the top and you got Remy is the Nevada state and you got Jay Vidal is the no limits. It's like, okay, Matt Vandergriff's moved away. Still going to use him, Not as often, but you have Damian Drake. You got Gregory Sharp. You got Graves. You had class. You know, you got Juicy, you got Toa, you know, you got Death Proof, you know, where do, where do they all fit in? You know, Remy Marcel, Gregory Sharp, okay, we can go there. Uh, no Limits, Jay Vidal's got some, you know, there's tons of No Limits guys. You got Eli Everfly, you got Brandon Gatson, you got Adrian Quest, you got Damian Drake back in there. Does Ice Williams want to go back to the to – the, no limits or is he looking for bigger and brighter pastures and knowing ice Williams, he's looking for bigger and brighter pastures. But you know, the thing is now you got four champions and then you got at least three or four guys or tag teams in each category. Right. How many guys can you put on a show? You and, know? You haven't, and you haven't even mentioned fitting in Sandra moon and the women's championship. Well, that's the women's well. so that's definitely. Right. And she's been involved with working guys. Funny bone. We use him very sporadically, you know, just because how much could he do? Sin Bodhi. We use him sporadically. He goes out, he does his thing. We use him as an attraction. And, and that's also the big thing. Sandra Moon, she's on the shows. Maserati we haven't used. And she's yeah. getting big everywhere. And like, we're the only ones not using her. Because it needs to fit. It's like the local girls, you know, the the, the Alice Blairs and the Dana Lynns, you know, 
yeah, it's good to see how they progressed in six months since Maserati had beaten them. But again, it's the same process. You know, Maserati and Sandra Moon wrestled 30 times. Like, we really need to come up with something special to have them work again. You know, because to me, they did a TLC match. That TLC match finally ended it. Sandra overcame. She won the belt. She's moved on. But where does Maserati go? You know, I talked with MK. He's looking at maybe doing another women's show. And, and I told him, I think if we're going to do a women's show, we have we have to up the ante. You know, we use too much younger talent with so many other women's shows around using bigger talent. Yep. It dwarfs what we're doing. And it's not as exciting. It, yeah, it was great. We had Vert Vixen. I think she's awesome. But we didn't add that many different people from around. Now, if we had a Thunder Rosa and we had a Chelsea Green and we had a Kylie Ray mixed in with Maserati and Sandra Moon and some of the West Coast girls, yeah. now you're talking. You know, yeah. unfortunately, you need to replace the bottom end for girls with now all of a sudden you have Sandra Moon, Maserati, Chelsea Green. Kylie Ray, maybe Katarina again, whatever it is. Now you got six or seven women instead of three that have really done big things in the business. And like that, yeah. Verd Victon may not have done big things in the business, but she's very, very good. And Jocelyn Navarro from OVW, yeah. she's very, very good. You know, and she wants to come out. Hey, give me a date. I'll come out. You know, her, her man, Isaiah Broner, man, he's really good. He's come out, wants to work. You know, these guys are willing to, to get down here, but it's just like, how many shows can we run? You know, I also look at that when, when somebody goes, looks at warrior wrestling, there's one show, it's a super show. So yeah. they run it once every six weeks. It's a super show. GCW has their core 15, 20, 15 guys. And then they mix in the two Colt Scorpios and the Ricky Mortons and Ricky Marvins and, and some of the old time name guys. And then they mix it in with some local talent and they use the Nick Waynes on occasion. And, you know, with the LA fights now they use more of them and they use a Tito and they use a Sandra moon and they use a Maserati, you know, they have their core and they run their shows, but they're in a different niche. And then you got, you know, defy defies a little more like us defy. But Defy doesn't run, or if they do, they don't promote it in any way, like a future shock. So Defy uses is is like Mecca, where we use Cody and Remy Marcel, and we sprinkled in Sky High and and TBD and you know and Bay, which is our regulars, but he's a big name guy. So he you don't know where you count him. He's an FSW guy, but when you're looking at names on a show, Chris Bay's a name, Cross is a name. Cage is a name. Cage is no longer really with FSW. So when you bring him in, that's a name. But Hammerstone's an FSW guy. So he doesn't really count to the to the local fan base. Defy uses a Hammerstone or a cross or whatever. And then they mix in their small core of local talent. But they aren't based out of a school. So they have no need to worry about Ricky Tenacious and Brandon G and Strella, and Suavecitos, and all those guys about getting them on a show. You know, yeah. maybe it's me being me. 
I almost feel like I owe these guys that opportunity. Hey, we're going to do a casino show. Let's do that battle royal. Hey, we're going to do the against all odds thing. I didn't have to do against all odds at the anniversary show. Against all odds was its own separate thing. But because of the pandemic and we really didn't do it, it gave 30 people more of an opportunity to get on a casino show. Yeah. And the fact of the matter is I don't need 50 dudes in the fucking locker room and girls. You know, I could buy with 26. But I'm trying to give these guys that opportunity that on occasion it really irritates the fuck out of me because I feel they're ungrateful toward it. And I'm like, why do I even fucking bother? So, you know, I get that up and down, up and down, like, fuck these motherfuckers. Oh, wait, this is a great thing. And oh, you know, and there's, and there's always something. It's like, oh, shit, AEW town, AEW weekend, that's going to be huge. Oh, we might do something in Atlantic City. Well, obviously, you know, I can't fly random guys that would never get flown anywhere to Atlantic city, but right. you'd have to mix in and hopefully, you know, we can work out a way to like, make sure at least our main guys are going to be there. But we also know if we're on the East coast, a guy like Casey Navarro will drive an hour and a half from where he lives in Jersey to go work the show. And there's so yeah. much East coast talent that may not be, FSW regulars or even semi-regulars, but they're close enough. If I can use a Davy Richards, of course I'm going to use him. You know, it yeah. gives me a good deal. He's coming in from St. Louis. It ain't going to be that expensive for the flight. So you want to make sure it's an FSW show. You know, when you go to GCW, no matter where you go in the country, you're going to see Nick Gage and you're going to see Effie and you're going to see Alley Catch and you're going to see you know, Atticus, and you're going to see AJ Gray, and you're going to see the uh, second gear crew. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like you're going to see that 10 to 12 guys that you know from their 20 or 30 on every show. So I can't run a show in Atlantic City and be like, okay, come check out FSW. Uh, Hammerstone will be there, and the rest are all these East Coast guys. Right, You know what I mean? And it's not an FSW show. So then I might as well just run it under, you know, New York Championship Wrestling. You know what I mean? The idea is to try to get the FSW brand out there. And that was part of the reason of wanting to do it in in WrestleMania in Dallas. You know, Funny Bone's going to be there. You think I'm not going to fucking use Funny Bone if he's in there? You know, and these guys aren't expected to, they aren't expecting to be flown in because it's a big weekend where they're going to work a bunch of matches. So Matt Vandegrift's going to be there. Damian Drake's going to be there. Sandra Moon's going to be there. Funny Bone's going to be there. You know, Cross I saw is going to be there. You know, all these guys are already there. So at least it shaves some money off the budget of flights because you don't have to fly anybody in. And now you right. get to have the spotlight of FSW in the collective that has people that don't know who we are, just like when we did FSW versus GCW, we had a lot of fans who came to our show that when they would buy tickets through PayPal, I'd be like, you know, California, Texas, Arizona, Utah, wherever they were coming from, because they were coming from out of state, you know, and it was also SummerSlam weekend. So there was people who flew all over, you know, we're, we're fortunate. We got some fans. We got one of our guys. He flew all the way from Florida for the anniversary show and he flew out for this show at the Mecca, you know, yeah. uh, you know, I got a guy from Utah. You, I met him through ring of honor shows and he stopped going to the ring of honor shows. He just hit me up and would just come down for FSW shows. 
you yeah. know, and it's just, you know, little by little, it's like, you know, the, the little engine that could, you know, we're trying, we're trying to get to that level, but you know, we, we can get to that level and we can spend, you know, money we don't have and probably never get there and lose our ass. You know, that's yeah. not the goal. You know, I'm not looking to become a millionaire out of this for any means. And I definitely won't, but I'm not going to, you know, not be able to, you know, take care of the family or lose my house because I'm trying to put on wrestling matches. You know, this, this, right. this I did as, as a love, you know, the hobby became my job, but it, it's a grind job. And the only thing that I really like doing is putting together the shows, you know, running a school and being the principal and having to deal with issues and, and shit like that. You know, everybody's got issues. I got my own issues. Why do I got to worry about your issues too? And I got to worry about fucking 50 people's issues. You know what I mean? And a lot of times it's minor issues and people squabble about certain shit. You know what I mean? It's just like, Oh, you know, dread going into the school. Like, hey, you got your dues? Oh, well, hey, bro. Blah, 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 blah. And then there's always a story. Oh, what do you mean I'm not on the show tomorrow? You know, like, like I owe them, yet in reality, they're owing me. You know, um, Rick Bassman at UPW, uh, he didn't collect the dudes, or did the, the dues. He had Big Swag do it, and it was smart because, you know, Rick is a smaller guy. Swag is a big man, and you tend to want to hand over that check or that cash to the big guy. And it's, you know, he, he used an intermediate because of that fact. You don't have to then, you know, worry about getting you know all the excuses and stuff you have someone who actually um you know is dealing with that and i think that's that's one thing that is you know something that you do that is you know it's it's an extra it is an extra headache um when you have so many different uh excuses or reasons even too i mean sometimes you you know you you have financial trolls so Therefore, there is a reason behind it, but then there's the excuses. And typically, the people who make the excuses are the ones who eventually are no longer around and it weeds itself out. How is the school going right now in terms of have there been um, some people who are showing up consistently who are showing promise, uh, you know, as compared to, um, you know, guys who might have come in, at, you know, at the end of the pandemic uh, and you had like bigger classes and then had people drop out. Is there like a core, a group um, that you can trace back and you can go, yeah, these guys have been pretty consistent. Yeah, you know, we have a group of guys. And like I said, we, we, we had a few of them. Like, like like I was saying about French and Reese and, and a few of them, but they've kind of dropped off. And then there's a newer crew now where, and it's usually the same. It's weird. It, it really comes in, in bunches. 
You know, it isn't like, oh, we got one or two guys this week. And then three weeks later, one or two guys. Like, all of a sudden, like, five people show up and sign up and four more. And all of a sudden, you have, like, 13 of them. And then the next month, only four of those 13 decide to come back because it's too difficult. They're not able to do it. Not what they expected. Blah, blah, blah. Whatever fucking excuse it is. And that's necessarily an excuse. It's just not for them. You know what I mean? And, you know, we've gotten a recent crew to where... You know, and there's some younger, younger dudes, you know, they're between like 18 and 22 to where we have about four or five of them who are consistent. They're around, they help. And, but there's also some that pay their dues and don't show up that much, you know? And it's like, I'm, I'll take money. I'll take your money. I have bills to pay. You want to come to train and, you know, some guys are really like send a message on Facebook. Oh, I'm not going to be able to make it today. I'm like, dude, you don't need to. You don't need to let us know. You're not on a schedule. You're on your own schedule. You come when you want to come. Now, if you want to pay me dues and show up three times a month, that's your prerogative. But you're still using the facility, and this is what the cost is. You know, some people use the facility 15 times a month, and you use it three. Who do you think is going to progress quicker? I don't care if you're the world's best athlete at three times a month. The guy who's a mediocre athlete might catch up to you, especially in wrestling, because it's a totally different thing, you know. Yeah. So I'm never one to stop anybody. You know, we've had some people with some handicaps and, and in some cases it didn't work out. But you know what? If they were physically able to try to do something, I am going to give them that opportunity. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, a kid like Spider, he has Asperger's. And initially it was very difficult when he was in a kid's class. And it was like, oh, I want to be the next John Cena. And it's like, oh, okay, sure. You you know, whatever, you know. And, you know, like hopefully this kid can stick around and be a ref or something. You know what I mean? Because, you know, the, the wrestling wasn't in the cards. But once it clicked in, it clicked in. And, you know, he became a tag team champion. So you never know who is going to, you know, stand tall. You know, you know, Rudy's Rudy. Motherfucker never played. He ain't no Rudy. Spider's better than Rudy. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, Spider should get fifty thousand uh, a pop to do uh, speaking engagements. Guy, guy played in didn't even play any game. He got to play the last thirty seconds one time. The fuck, fuck and Rudy. He, and he gets a whole two-hour movie on top of yeah. it. Fuck Rudy <laughs> and fuck Notre Dame. I hate that team. Thank you. Thank you. I, I, I you listen in Alcatraz. Fuck Notre Dame. (laughs) Matt said that he told me to say it. You know, you know, Alcatraz, if you are listening, the throat punch brew, please, people, check it out. It's here in Vegas, it's local. And uh, Alcatraz uh, has made something really good in a, in a nice, uh, it's uh, cold. I might have to tell him to sell some coffee at our place. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, it only takes sixty percent of the cut. Oh, <laughs> uh, as we get to wrap up here, Joe, any uh, thoughts uh, for the uh, listeners and viewers this week? You know, uh, hopefully everybody enjoyed the Mecca. It came across as a great event. You know, uh, from top to bottom, the show was very, very well received. Uh, we broke our record for iPay-per-views, which we narrowly beat out the GCW one, which says a lot because yeah. we had GCW 
you know, promoting the event also. And we were able to, without any help from anybody other than the FSW family, the crew uh, produced those numbers. And it's crazy, but when I haven't looked in the last week or two, because obviously people flow in later and we actually had sold one more pay-per-view than the GCW one when uh, the last time I looked and technically we didn't, but for some reason, I don't know why with fight TV, uh, there was a couple of refunds. So I don't know if they had issues with the thing. So hopefully if you don't count the refunds, we have two less. So I got to go back and hopefully official official, we would uh, have them beat. So, which I think should be uh, had by now, you know, and like I said, you know, it was Cross's first show back. You know, we got to see a lot of play on his speech that got put out there. And, you know, so again, you know, the Mecca, you know, definitely lived up the first one in two years. And hopefully Mecca 8 will happen on uh, May 27th or 28th. And we're looking for, you know, another big show in uh, probably April. You know, just that way we can set up what we have. We we have some good ideas, but there's also some things I got no fucking clue where we're going with. So it's going to be as exciting to you as it is to me when we put some stuff together. So look and, forward uh, to it. And remember, if uh, you want to catch Mecca, you can still uh, buy it uh, on replay on Fight TV. And uh, that will help uh, solidify those numbers, too. So, um, you know, do that. And you can also subscribe to the FSW network. And um, I believe it's uh, if it's still going on, I believe it's six months. If you get the subscription for six months or a year, um, you also can. And uh, you also get the Mecca free of charge. Exactly. You get the, the Mecca free of charge. Um and if you want to do monthly, six ninety nine a month, and you'll see high octane this Friday, uh, which starts at seven p.m. Uh, Pacific Standard Time. Uh, and the final, final thought, Joe. Super Bowl. Were you impressed? Was it good? Did you enjoy it? It was fine. You know. Uh, oh, by the way, we actually now are ahead of the actual uh, by one. There we go. Yeah. So there we go. But uh, yeah, I liked it under. It went under. I liked the Rams. They won, but I still lost every bet I made. <laughs> because the Rams were favored by like four, four and a half. And I thought if they were going to win, they could win big. So, you know, I also took them to win by like 10 and win by 12. And then I had another bet just to offset what I was betting. So I bet the Bengals on the money line. So mm-hmm. at least if that would have came in, I would have won. So yeah. yeah, it was like seven different bets. I didn't bet a lot this year because I didn't really like it a lot. But yeah. you know, I even teased the under. It was forty eight and a half. I teased it in a couple of down, like four or five points, so you can get better odds. And you know, it, I was really hoping for overtime, and then the Rams score the touchdown because I might have right. lost my under bets, but I would have still won some of the other stuff. So I had nine options. I went over nine, whatever. <laughs> well, did you at least uh, enjoy the uh, halftime show? Uh, yeah, I did like it. 
I thought it was pretty good. Uh, I'll be honest, Kendrick Lamar, I, I know some of his songs, didn't really know that one and wasn't that impressed. Eminem's Eminem. It was just like, you know, that's the perfect song for that. You know, people yeah. talking about uh, 50 Cent being heavy, and he was, but his arms were huge, huge. Yeah. His arms were so big, they were bigger than uh, they were bigger than Shogun's. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh man, bigger than Neil um, Black. <laughs> uh, and uh, as we uh, say goodbye, everybody, um, please remember to uh, support FSW and the Vegas Bad Boys podcasting. Um, this week we're uh, putting this out on Friday. Um, because we've uh, done some special panels for Black History Month. So I think it's this week and next week as well. That uh, Nice Williams on a panel? Not yet. We uh, we haven't got Chris ice. Bay on a panel? Um, Chris is, uh, he, he uh, declined politely. Uh, he's got some other things that he has going on, so he couldn't do it. Um, but you're going to see guys like uh, Fresco, it looks like, will be on. Um, Shogun. Yeah, he's all, he's all over Fresco. He don't care. He'll do, <laughs> Shogun. He'll do any publicity anywhere in the world. <laughs> but Shogun and at will least be he's on. Enter- at least he's entertaining. It's better than saying you had Braxton or some shit. <laughs> he'll just put himself over. Um, Jocelyn Navarro is uh, recording tonight with us. Um, so Estrella uh, on this particular episode, um, and then there's some other talent from uh, around the uh, around the country. So it's uh, it's something that is important to us, and uh, we're glad we got a chance to do that as well. And uh, that does move the Defalco Files to uh, Friday this week and next week. Fuck! I'm um, like preempted, preempted to like when uh, USA goes to the Sci-Fi Channel. What the fuck? <laughs> now I'm on yes. the Sci-Fi Channel. Nobody watches the Sci-Fi Channel. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and AEW has counter-programmed their podcast on Friday against you. So you're. Uh... They'll be on YouTube. It won't matter. They're on YouTube. Nobody listens. Well, nobody watches anything there. So, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in, and until next week, we'll see you next time.